Odd Trails contains adult language and content. These stories can be frightening for some. Listener discretion is advised. If you have a story to share, send it to stories at oddtrails.com. Enjoy the show. Forget facts. Forget logic. Forget everything that seems real. Just trust. Believe. I have been debating about sending this in because it seems so unreal. I have had many experiences with dreams, premonitions, and seeing things from beyond since I was a child, so this is nothing new for me. I am actually glad I can share this without judgment. My first story took place 17 years ago when I was 20 years old and a brand new mom. My son was around two months old and I had just started going back to work. I came home, exhausted from working all night, and my sitter had just put my son down for his nap. I decided that, since my son was sleeping, I would take advantage of this and get some rest as well. I had very little money, given my situation at this time, so my son and I shared a room. My bed was against the wall, and his was tucked right into a nook, at the other side of the room. I checked him and felt his chest, like all new moms do, and was satisfied that he was breathing and sleeping peacefully. I turned to my bed, crawled in, and was out within a minute. I don't know how long I was sleeping, but I could feel myself waking up. It was a different type of feeling, one I had never experienced before. When I opened my eyes, I could see my body lying on the bed, and I knew I was having an out-of-body experience. It was the first time I had ever experienced this, but it was very quick. I saw myself, and I could feel a pull to my son's crib in the little corner nook of the room. I could see the crib, and I could see him struggling. His face was buried into the soft, pillow-like lining of the crib borders. I knew he couldn't breathe. Suddenly, I was snapped back into my body. It was the weirdest feeling, and I can't explain it. I opened my eyes, still kind of in a daze. Then I suddenly felt something grab my ankles and pulled me out of bed. This all happened so fast, maybe within a five-second span. I remembered what I saw, and I bolted to his crib, where I found him wrapped in his blanket and his face smashed against the crib bumpers, just like I had seen in my dream or out-of-body experience, whatever you want to call it. I picked him up and gently rubbed his chest, and he took a very large breath and began to cry. I can't explain why this occurred, except that the bond with my son is extremely strong and continues to be to this day. 
I guess they say a mother's intuition is always right, and in this instance, it was. My second story occurred maybe three months ago. This is another example of my dreams saving my family from tragedy. It was a normal night, nothing special, and my husband and I decided to go to bed at around 10 p.m. Our son and daughter were still up. We told them both good night and to lock the doors and turn off the lights after they let the dogs out before bed. We went upstairs and fell asleep like normal. I then began to have a very realistic, vivid dream, one I will never forget. It started off very intense. My children were yelling for us to get up and get out. I jumped out of bed, and my son had broken out a window to our second-story home and was climbing out. Smoke was billowing out the window and covering the ceiling. I screamed at him to catch his sister when she jumped. He said he would. I could feel the heat on my arms. I could smell the burning of the hairs all over our bodies. I then heard the words, wake up, in my ear as all of this was going on. It didn't connect with me. My daughter then climbed out of the window after her brother, and again I heard, wake up. I could see the flames now, coming up from the lower level. I pushed my daughter out of the window into my son's arms, and I started screaming for my husband but couldn't find him. I heard again, wake up, but I didn't know what it meant. I turned to our room and saw my husband fall through the floor as the flames picked up around him. I stared at the hole where he once stood as the flames came through and heard, wake up, so loud that my ears began to ring and I was jolted out of bed and woke up. It took a second to get my bearings. It was such an intense dream. I could feel the heat of my house burning down and the pain in my heart of seeing my husband fall through the floor. I had tears in my eyes, and as I sat up in bed, I could smell gas. I rolled over and tapped my husband and asked if he could smell it. He said he couldn't smell anything and went back to bed, but I couldn't let it go. I got up, opened my door, and I could still smell it. I called for my daughter and my son and no one answered. I walked down the stairs to my kitchen and stood there, and I could smell gas all over the house. I didn't know where it was coming from, so I turned to go back upstairs, but I heard in my ear, go back, extremely loud, like someone had yelled it right behind me. So I turned back, walked to the other side of our kitchen where the stove was. I looked down and one of the knobs was turned. We have a gas stove. The gas was coming from the stove. I turned it off, opened our windows, and woke my husband. I truly believe my dream would have come true if I hadn't woken up. I don't know why I have these dreams or if someone is watching over us, but I do know I am forever grateful for the gift I have been given.
When I was about 13, I lived in Texas with my dad for a year. We decided that it was best that I go back to live with my mom, so we drove back to where she lives, which is about 12 hours away. We leave early in the day so that we can get there at least past midnight. The drive is going fine and all, nothing out of the ordinary. When it starts to get dark, we stop at a gas station to get some food. We went inside and ate our food, and when we came back out to the van, a light blue truck was parked right next to us. The windows were tented so dark that you could just barely see the silhouette of the person driving the truck. He was just sitting there. I thought it was quite creepy, but I didn't think too much of it other than that. We got back on the road for several more hours until my dad wanted to call it a night since he felt way too sleepy to keep driving safely. We pulled up to a rest stop that had a McDonald's and a gas station, and next to that area was a huge parking lot where people would park if they needed to sleep. My dad pulled into that parking lot, and since it was about 1am, no one else was around except for the occasional semi. He parks and we settle in to take a nap before we finish the trip. I closed my eyes, and right before I fell asleep, I heard the rumbling of a car approaching us. The van that my dad was driving had these vents on the side where you could see out of, but just barely. I opened my eyes to take a peek, since I was just curious, and the second that I did, I completely froze. The same exact light blue truck was now parked again right next to us. The same tinted windows, same color, same truck, and the reason it freaked me out was because this was hours after we left that rest area. We were long gone from the other spot, and that was a massive parking lot. The person could have parked anywhere else, but he pulls up right next to us. I slowly got closer to the vent so that I could get a better look. I just wanted to see if I could make out what this person in the truck looked like, but all I could see was their silhouette. I swear they were staring right back at me, and I felt like I couldn't move. I just froze there, staring at them. I was hoping that they didn't get out or something. After I snapped out of it, I whispered as loud as I could, trying to wake my dad up to get us out of there. He finally woke up after several attempts to get his attention. After I hastily explained to him why I was freaking out, he didn't seem to believe me, but decided that we should get going anyways. My dad turns the van on, and as soon as he does, the damn truck starts their car as well. This wasn't a coincidence. My dad's expression went from sleepy to oh shit really fast. He backed out and zoomed out of there as quickly as he could. My heart was beating so hard, and my dad seemed so shocked. I turned to look through the back seat window after we made it out of the parking lot and feared that the truck was following us. When I looked back, the truck wasn't there. In fact, it was nowhere to be seen. That shit still haunts me to this day. I don't really know what to make of it.
I grew up in Virginia. We used to live with our mom and grandparents to make everyone's life easier. I always got an eerie feeling being in my grandparents' house, alone and at night. I hated it. It always felt as if someone was watching you. My grandmother used to collect dolls. The doll's eyes always felt like they were watching you. One day, we woke up, and one of the dolls was standing in the middle of the den floor, off the showroom shelf. No one knew, or at least admitted, to how she got there. One day, I was in the kitchen and felt like I was being watched. I turned around, and in the den doorway stood a black shadow, with no face and no expression just a black figure of what I assumed to be a man. It scared the living crap out of me. I instantly told my mom and grandparents. My mom entertained it. Meanwhile, my grandma kept brushing it off, and my granddad didn't have much to say about it. I later found out my grandma had seen the figure too, but she didn't want to scare us and just pretended it was all in her head, so she shut me down when I spoke of it. As me and my siblings got older, we had a lot of sleepovers. One day, me, my siblings, my mom, and half-siblings were watching TV in the room upstairs. The TV went black as it cut to a commercial, and in that brief silence, we heard a faint woman's voice yell up to us from the kitchen. Jane, which is my mom's name. We looked around, freaked out, asking my mom if she heard it. She asks us, what did you hear? And we all said we heard someone call out her name from downstairs. My mom then called out for my grandma, who was lying in bed in the next room over, and asked if she just called her name. My grandmother tells her, no, I'm in bed. You actually woke me and your daddy up when you called. We decided to all go to bed, and we slept together, although we had a hard time sleeping after that. On a different occasion, my best friend Shantae was sleeping over. Me, Shantae, and my sister were in the kitchen eating. It was maybe 11.30 p.m. We were the only ones downstairs, or so we thought. As we're eating and talking, we start hearing what sounds like someone wearing heels walking down the dark hall from the front door. I called out to my mom, who often wore heels at the time, but got no answer. A chill went down our spines, and we took off running to find my mom. She was in my grandparents' bathroom separating laundry, and she was wearing sneakers laced tight. There was no way it was her, but we asked anyway, and she said no, that she had been with the clothes the entire time. As the years went on, things would go missing. Sometimes you would feel a brush against you, and no one was even around. We started to get used to it, and whatever it was never harmed us. My grandparents have since both passed away and my aunt currently lives in the house. We have not experienced anything since middle school, but being in that house alone 
is still scary, and it still feels as if you are being watched. It was the end of 1993. I was a young mom with a nine-month-old son and a seven-year-old stepson. My then-husband and I had just moved from apartment life in Los Angeles to the suburbs of northern San Diego County. We found an amazing rental house for our family. It was an old three-bedroom, two-bath house on two acres that was beautifully maintained with fruit trees and lush greenery. It had wonderful views. The owners were an older retired couple who lived in a smaller house on the lower end of the property, but the house that we rented was at the very top of the hill. It had a very strange layout, but we loved the property and the price was right, so we signed the lease. We lived there for about two and a half years, and when we finally left, we never went back. So from experience, I know that old houses can be a little creepy, but I never thought that I would experience these weird things that my family and friends did while living in that house. The first few months were fine, except for my nine-month-old son. He started having these night terrors the minute that we moved in. I just thought that it was normal for the age, adjusting to a new space and all. But soon, I would start experiencing things like hearing voices, specifically my name being called, and no one there. And then items would be moved or missing. I started to feel like I was just overtired and not paying attention. Sometimes I heard knocking. They always came in threes. This would happen at the front door, but no one was ever there. The property was very private with a long driveway from the street, so random solicitors really never made the walk. So the knocks always scared me. My then-husband would travel at times or be out late for work and I would be by myself alone in the house. This was always the scariest time for me because the energy would shift in the house. The air would get heavy and the hair would stand on the back of my neck for no apparent reason. I would be afraid to even walk through the house to check on the kids. They slept with me a lot of these nights. I swear I could always see things moving through the rooms out of the corner of my eye. I never saw anything that I could confirm, though. It was around this time that I started suffering from severe migraines, which I explained away as hormones. My stepson also claimed that he was always afraid to get out of bed at night and could never sleep. There weren't any clear reasons as to why. He was just having a rough, silent time with this. I did always notice that his room and the entire back of the house where the kids' bedrooms were located always seemed to be about 10 degrees colder than the rest of the house. But the house was so old I just dismissed any scary ideas. I was so afraid to be alone in the house, I made my husband at the time get us a dog. I thought that it would help me feel safer at home. But the dog just confirmed my fears by acting weird and barking at things that nobody could see. But... I didn't want to ever vocalize what I was experiencing because I honestly just thought that I was going nuts and I didn't want to scare anyone. I never said anything to my kids or husband, but 
I had family and friends who would stay over all the time due to me not wanting to be alone. And every single person never stayed long. They claimed that the house seemed off to them as well. They were always uncomfortable. Well, towards the end of 1994, I discovered that I was pregnant with my daughter. It was a happy time. I was hearing voices, seeing things dart across the room, migraines, missing and moved items, cold spots, etc. It all never stopped, but the hair on the back of my neck didn't stand up for a while. The fear wasn't consistent, but it did happen enough that I started to attend church during this time and I began praying through the house on a regular basis due to my experiences and I thought that the prayer was helping things. So I relaxed. My daughter was born on Good Friday of Easter weekend in 1995. She was bizarrely alert, but I thought that that was just a natural childbirth thing and a very healthy pregnancy. Now, as an infant, it was weird. She would be always looking at things that I didn't see and seemed to always be alert and focused to what the dog was aggravated by, which really freaked me out as a young mom. So I spent a lot of time with my young kids out of the house because the energy just felt better elsewhere. While still dealing with these night terrors, migraines, and crazy dogs, the intense infant, the sleepless stepson, I thought it was me and my failure as a mom. I struggled but managed to live a seemingly normal life. When my daughter was about six months old, the owner of the property on the lower house died of cancer and his widow moved out of state. We had to move so the property could be sold. One day, my ex and I were packing things together in the main living room. I saw a flash of something dart across the room. I didn't say anything, but it seemed that he saw it based off his movement, and then asked softly, almost in a whisper, Do you ever see anything in the house that isn't there? When you look again, I immediately became nervous because this was confirming something that I had been experiencing for over two years and never spoke about. I asked him to elaborate, and he mentioned everything that I had been experiencing and said that he didn't say anything because he didn't want to scare me or appear crazy. Yeah, I get it, me too. We continued to share stories while packing and continued to see things dart around the room, which we decided to call the little things. Because what we saw was always small. The code word was created simply to lighten our fears of whatever it might be. I continued to get scared for no reason, and the dog continued to react to nothingness, or so it seemed. We started to pack a little faster. Same stuff occurred, but was intensifying. We tried to ignore it, to pray it away, and went about our business until the weekend of the move. It was New Year's weekend, 1996. We got a U-Haul and loaded it. A random three boxes, probably stuff that you could have thrown away, didn't fit in the truck that we rented. No biggie. At the time, my ex said that he would come back the next day and then grab them when he left the keys for the realtor. I was happy that he was willing to do so because I knew that I wouldn't return for them myself. I was just happy to be out 
because the activity in the house seemed more scary than it had ever been, and prayer alone wasn't helping. Those small darts had moved into the shadows, and there were now larger shapes moving across the wall, and not just out of the corners of my eyes anymore. So, New Year's Day, I'm happily unpacking in our new home, and the kids are playing, the dog is happy, and acting less scared for the first time. My husband at the time leaves and goes to the house up on the hill to get the last three boxes. He's only gone for about 30 minutes, and then he comes back, white as a ghost, and pulls me aside to get away from the kids' ears. He proceeds to tell me that he went back to the house, and the room was dark even with all the shades being open. It was hard to breathe, and it stunk like a dead person with really bad body odor, a smell he had never smelled before. He said he felt like someone or something was watching him. He grabbed two boxes, the ones that he could manage, and walked out. Now, as he walked out, the front door slammed on him. He then stopped and looked back. He heard a growl come from inside. It scared him enough to leave right away and not even go back as he chose to abandon that final box. I was scared, and I understood. I was glad that he was safe and we were out. We both acknowledged that something evil was in that house. That night in our new home, we prayed in every room so that we could bless it as best as we could. We both didn't want whatever it was to follow us. So, months passed by, and the migraine stopped. It never came back. My son with the night terrors seemed to stop having them immediately. The dog chilled out. He stopped barking at empty corners of the room. No more fear or anxiety with the neck hair standing up for no apparent reason. I wasn't ever afraid to be alone in that house. No more missing or moved items, and the only flashes of little things that I ever saw were actually my own kids running through the house. A big exhale of relief from my soul. I had another son five years after we moved, and he was curious after some of the stories that we had all shared about that house on the hill. So one day, when he was about nine or ten, around Halloween, I drove him to the house so that he could see for himself and have the visual. It had been my first time since we moved to be near it. We didn't enter the property, but I drove him up the hill on the side of the street, and we stopped in a spot where we had a clear view of the house and parked. After looking for less than a minute, he wanted to leave. He said that the house gave him the creeps, and to be honest, I was getting the same feelings that I had when we lived there. So I drove away fast and never went back. We both shared nervous giggles driving home, and he shared that he was happy that he never had to live there. Me too. As the years passed and my daughter grew up, she shared that she had been seeing relatives that passed away. Very specific and very clear visions that really creeped my family and friends out. I never thought about that house on the hill until she moved away to college and began having bizarre and intense paranormal activity in every place that she lived. She claimed to have had spirits screaming at her. I believe her, and I've done a lot of research and expanded my beliefs and understanding to assist her in dealing with all of this. I truly believe that some of this has to be from being conceived and born in that house on the hill. 
she's different from her siblings and her abilities with the afterlife, and I have no doubt that her spirit is tied to whatever was in that house on the hill. It kept something open in her spiritually. It's the only thing that makes sense to me. It's that house. To this day in 2022, my stepson doesn't talk about his experiences in that house, but claims that the time that we spent in that house was the most fearful he had ever felt in his life. My daughter consistently struggles with paranormal activity regardless of where she lives. My ex stands firm that everything that happened was real and the house was haunted, not just from our imaginations. My son with the night terrors doesn't remember but believes what we all shared and my youngest, who never lived there, who saw that house for just one moment, felt that evil just after a drive-by. I don't know what happened with the property after we moved and it was sold. I do hope that whoever lived there after us had a better experience than we did. I'm forever grateful that we left that house on the hill when we did, or who knows what could have happened to us. This happened about 10 years ago in Manassas, Virginia, at the Manassas National Battlefield Park, the site of two major Civil War battles. My boyfriend at the time, his sister, and I decided it would be a good idea to walk through the dark woods that led to the battlefield from behind a nearby movie theater on a humid August night. It was around midnight when we started walking. And after about 20 minutes of dodging spiders and thorn bushes, we made it to the battlefield. From the beginning, we were on edge and hyper aware, knowing it wasn't exactly legal to be trespassing on federal property after dark. But that didn't stop us. We started walking down the main road that winds through the battlefield until we accidentally ended up in Groveton an extinct Civil War village that only had one small home remaining and a Confederate cemetery. We walked around with just our phone flashlights, trying to make sure we weren't accidentally stepping on graves and disrespecting the dead, when we found the cemetery. We walked in to try and read the markers, and almost immediately we were hit with a wall of cold air, almost like there was an air conditioner blowing full blast at us. Everywhere behind us was still humid and thick, but a foot in front of us was so cold we could see our breath. After asking each other if we felt the cold, and each of us confirming that we did, we saw the mist. It started on the ground by the grave markers, and we watched it grow until it took over the entire small cemetery area for about 30 seconds before disappearing completely, taking the cold with it. We were in awe and couldn't quite believe what we had just seen, so we tried to use one of those shitty EVP phone apps to communicate, but it didn't work. So we decided to keep walking around, hopeful that we would experience something else while we were there. And we did. 
After walking for what was probably another 25 minutes, we heard what can only be described as a woman screaming for her life. We were in the middle of a 5,000-acre park, but the screaming sounded like it was coming from in front of us. That wasn't possible, since the only things close were the cannons, and we were the only people in that area. But we looked for the woman anyway. We never found the person responsible for those terrifying wails. They stopped eventually, and we started to walk down the road again, pretty rattled over what we had just experienced and trying to figure out what to do next, when the sound of cannon shots permeated the air, scaring the absolute fuck out of us. We didn't scream or run, but we did speedwalk as far as we could without making too much noise, in case there was a park ranger patrolling the park. We kept walking and whispering about what had just happened, hearts racing and trying to wrap our brains around the sounds we heard when we saw faint lights approaching ahead. We made sure to turn off all of our lights and silence our phones so we wouldn't get caught and kept walking towards the light with a plan to just hide in the tree line if it was a ranger since we could see them before they could see us. The further we walked, the brighter the light got but it didn't seem closer, just brighter. So we kept walking towards it. After another 20 minutes of walking towards the light, it finally seemed like we were closing in on it, so we started walking in the tree line so as to not be seen. That's when we heard it, the distinct sound of hooves on hard ground, a horse whinny, and a person whistle. We felt the air rush past us as the ground vibrated with each hoofbeat. The three of us darted into the pitch-black woods, getting hit in the face with low-lying branches and scratching up our arms in an attempt to flee whatever the hell had just run past us. We ran a few yards before stopping and catching our breath, figuring out how to get back to the road since getting lost in the woods wasn't an option. We waited until we thought it was safe to come out. It felt like an hour, but it was probably more like five minutes, fully convinced we were going to jail that night, when we finally made it back to the road. The light was gone, the sounds were done, and we were once again alone in a Civil War battlefield. Nothing else happened that night, it was an uneventful walk back through the woods to our car, where the one thing to make me actually scream ended up being the spider that crawled out of my hair. I haven't visited the park since, in daylight or darkness, but this experience remains my favorite. Halloween is over, and I am so devastated. I don't know about you, but I'm sad it's gone. Well, we're still, we still have the house decorated, and we still have a bunch of beers left over from the party that we had, which was a, which was a, it was a nice little Halloween party. 
Um, so I kind of feel like it's not quite over yet. There's still movies that I haven't watched that I planned on watching. I just didn't have time for. So I want to say Halloween's not quite over just yet. Yeah, it's kind of like Christmas doesn't really end until January 1st, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's already past November 1st, but I, I, get, I like to give it the rest of the week. You know what I mean? So Exactly. It needs a solid week of recovery and yep. yeah, all that good stuff. So I'm celebrating for the rest of the weekend. Um, this will probably come out after Halloween for me. <laughs> I think that the <laughs> moment this episode comes out on Monday night, or uh, rather Sunday night, uh, that's the end of Halloween for me. So that's fair. I will have celebrated by the time this comes out. <laughs> yeah. So what did you end up doing for real? I know we talked about what we wanted to do and we talked about our past Halloween stories and favorites, but uh, what did you actually end up doing? Well, to make a long story short, my dad came over. Cute. I dressed up as a clown. He took a couple glamour shots of me, which that was, that was fun. That was really fun. And then I sat on his lap and we, and we watched Terrifier 2. Yeah, I saw the uh, the pictures that you guys took for uh, your, your glamour. Hold on, the dog's barking. <laughs> you can hear it? Adds character. I like it. Give it a second. She'll stop in a second. Yeah, I saw your, uh, your glamour shots. Uh, I think that Instagram enjoyed them quite a bit. Uh, Natalia was not happy. <laughs> she, said, she didn't like it. Yeah, she said, tell Brandon I don't appreciate his costume. And I said, I Aww. liked it. I've come around full circle to clowns. I now embrace them 100%. And Good. Terrifier 2, I have yet to watch. I'm going to watch it this weekend because it's on Screambox. Is that what it's called? It is. It is. Yeah. Get that nice seven-day trial. Yeah, I'm going to try that out. And that'll be the first thing I watch because that first one was one of my favorite movies. Like I said, I just can't watch movies in the theaters anymore. So I waited and luckily, they got that pretty quick online. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was worth the wait. I liked it. I liked the first one. I thought it was good, but it wasn't a favorite. Mm. But this second one, I, I just fell in love with it. It was it was so good. So I love good. that. I'm so glad you came around to Terrifier. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, for I guess for our Halloween, we just had like a housewarming party and just a handful of friends over. There's maybe 15, 20 of us. But so we had everyone over. We were just kind of drinking beers, hanging out. We played a little bit of Street Fighter on Super Nintendo. Uh, there was one of my friends that I didn't know was a secret pro, and nobody could beat him. The entire party, all of us who are my age, all have a good history of Street Fighter experience, could not beat him on Street Fighter 2 on Super Nintendo, no matter what. He did not lose one game all night. What? Who are we talking about? Uh, he's my friend, Zach. I don't think we've ever... I've never uh, met Zach. Yeah, you've never met Zach. Sweet guy. But uh, he's like, he's a kind of he's a quiet guy and he ended up being one of the best Street Fighters ever. He he was beating everybody with every character. He could pick anybody, <laughs> anybody, like Vega, and he would beat he's you. Just one of those. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so that was fun until it wasn't. And then uh, played a little wee bowling. And then finally we started drinking, getting silly. And somebody brought up the movie Brink. Ooh. And there were there were half of us were outside drinking beers around the fire, half of us were inside, and the ones that were inside, uh, yeah, somebody had said that they hadn't seen Brink, and I said, did somebody say Brink? And they're like, yeah, two two or three of us haven't actually seen Brink, and I'm like, how is that possible? You guys are either my age or older. It, that it was such a huge thing, and so I was like, are, do you do you guys want to like end the party and just watch Brink? And like, it's not a party anymore. Let's just sit around and watch a Disney Channel movie. <laughs> and everybody agreed. They were like, yeah, let's do that. So we put on Brink. I love that. We watched all of Brink and we had a blast. It was the best time ever. 
Um, and I told him about how like you and I put on Brink that one night before our Long Beach show. And we're like, we'll just put something on to fall asleep to. We put on Brink and we ended up staying up and watching every second of it and just having yeah, a know. blast. Getting like four hours of sleep right before the live show. <laughs> you don't just throw on Brink like to fall asleep to or in the background. You watch it. Cause it's, it's way too good. engaging. It's yeah. so engaging. It was such a fun time hosting a party. Cause I've never really done that at my house as an adult. Mm-hmm. I had like teen parties and like parties in my twenties and stuff. And I never had like an adult party with adults over. And it was so mm-hmm. much more chill than parties when we were younger. It was so fun. Cause everyone was just so respectful and left early and just, yeah. When everybody's old and tired, parties become so much better. I was way better. So much more fun. And then on actual Halloween, we just handed out candy on the porch. Um, at some point, we just went inside because we were tired, and we left three giant bowls of candy out front, and they took it all. I can't believe it. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure it was just like a kid or two that came by, and they were like, "Let's take it all." Probably, yeah. That's proper proto. But it was like a yeah, it was proper proto, and it was a proper it was a proper Halloween. Good party, good trick or treaters, good costumes. I had a good time. Good. Even even my dad said that was one of the better Halloweens I've ever celebrated. I love that. <laughs> I know that made me so happy because he's not much of a Halloween guy, and I don't know how he's been celebrating them in the past. But yeah, Halloween twenty twenty two. It's one to remember. Apparently, yeah, it was a really solid Halloween, and now your dad's a Halloweener. I love that. Did I tell you about the snack incident? No, I, I don't know what you're talking about. We were walking around in my neighborhood and. He was like, yeah, hold on. I, I have a little sweet tooth. So he walks up somebody's driveway. Then he goes, Bran, have you had these? And he reaches into this little bag and just takes a handful of something, starts chewing on it, chewing on it. Then he goes, oh, God. And he spits it out on this person's driveway. And he inadvertently consumed some doggy treats. What? While we're pretty plastered. Yeah, he, he about threw up because he accidentally ate a doggy treat while we're just walking around a little tipsy. It was, it was really fun. It was so I really have a, fun. a couple of questions about that. Where did he get the dog treats and why did he go in someone's driveway? Well, the dog treats were laying out on a table next to like the help yourself candy bowl. Oh. And I think he just reached into the wrong bag or thought they were something else. Cause he was excited. So they had trick or treat dog treats and then candy for the yes, kids right so next was, to each other so it was a house trying to be cute and saying oh we'll leave dog treats out for yeah, trick or treaters exactly no cat food though what's up with that but yeah that happened and it was just a fun little time yeah that that sounds like a good little time i, I love that that uh memory that you're gonna have with your dad i'm gonna bring it up next time i see him i'm gonna ask him if he, uh if he wants a snack and i'll, I'll suggest a Purina or something. Mm, begging strips. Begging strips. I like those commercials. It's begging. It's begging. Um, so I was telling I was telling a story, and I, I gotta ask you about this. I was telling a story at the Halloween party. We were talking about microwaves because somebody asked, Where's your microwave? And I was like, It's right there. And they they did they didn't see it. And it was stupid. And I I, I was reminded of a story from when I was a kid. I was probably no, I was not a kid. I was probably like 19. I was at my parents' house. I had just gotten back from a really hot bike ride from the river. Like I was sunburned, had taken my shirt off and just having a good old summer kid time. And I went to microwave some leftover spaghetti that I got from my grandma's house. Mm -hmm. I put that in the microwave and I set the time. I go to close the door and I press start, but I press start right before the door closes completely. 
So it actually started while there was a crack, while it was still open. Hmm. Everything went red for like a split second, my vision. Like it was like somebody put red sunglasses on me and then the, the door clicked closed and then the redness went away. What? Is that a thing? It sounds like you glitched out of the matrix real quick. It was like this Instagram filter on everything. That's the best way I can describe it. Has has anything like that ever happened to you? No, not like my entire vision being taken over hmm. in that sense, like a like a filter. Yeah, it was like I've, a filter. I've seen flashes, like definitely flashes of white light or blurriness and whatnot during those sort of moments where you think something is happening. Yeah. But I don't know if that's just like an anxiety response or what, but mm-hmm. for just to see red during a time like that, I, I have no idea. That's, that's random as hell. Yeah. That, I'm that's wondering. Why I think it's like a matrix thing. Maybe you did something, maybe you didn't follow proto there. Maybe uh, you're getting zapped back. Yeah. Here, that's a lesson from this episode. Follow proto and don't glitch. There you go. Don't glitch. Yeah. Um, so something happened to me today. My father-in-law has been visiting for the last couple of days and we, uh, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, but it's been fun. We took him to the airport before we started recording. I just got back now before we left and, uh, my wife checked her phone to see what traffic was like to get to the airport. And it said that traffic was really bad because there was an accident. So we're like, ah, oh, we should leave now. So we left like an extra 30 minutes ahead of time we jump on the highway and there's no traffic and we keep driving we're like when is this traffic going to start up she looks at her phone again and it says that the traffic's coming up there's an accident right ahead no accident no traffic we just keep driving and i start getting this weird feeling something doesn't feel right i'm really aware of all the cars around me uh seems like some people seem to be like veering off into different lanes. People are just driving a little weird and it doesn't feel right. And she looks at her phone and she goes, right here is where the accident is supposed to be. And something clicked. I was like, this isn't right. Something's wrong. And at that moment, an accident happened right in front of me. A car fucking... What? No, seriously, it had just rained. So, you know, how when it's like first rain after a while, the oil from the pavement comes up. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, out of the pavement and it's the, the roads are slick, even though it's not wet because oil has come up out of the pavement. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, you can easily hydroplane or slide a car literally tried to turn into the lane in front of me and almost sideswiped a car in front of me. And that car swerved and spun out off of the side of the road and hit the median. The other car just kept driving and took off, but I had the mental fortitude and was so prepared for it because I was so aware because I was looking for where traffic would be getting ready to slam on my brakes um, because we're going 80 on the highway and nothing was happening. But because of that, I saw this all happening in front of me like split second before it happened because I was so ready that I was able to put on my brakes, like pump my brakes enough to where I could slow down and avoid getting hit by these guys. And I just so narrowly avoided getting in a very bad accident on the highway because of this weird problem that her phone was having saying that there was an accident on the highway when there wasn't yet. Hmm. It was like her, her phone was predicting the future of an accident happening. Damn. 
And that saved us. And there was no indication that there was an accident. Nothing. From a previous thing. No. Nothing. There was nothing out there. I swear to God, this is a true story. This all just happened to me. Uh, as soon as we got through that, there was still nothing, nothing on the highway. We got to the airport 30 minutes ahead of time. Wow. Yeah. So we were saved by some glitch in the matrix on her phone. Yeah. And that nice little digital premonition. Exactly. I was ready and aware and I felt something was wrong. And we witnessed the accident ahead of time on her phone. And I can guarantee you that probably caused a bunch of traffic. Dang, and you just narrowly missed it. But yeah, um, thankful for that. And I, I swear, man, I think this podcast has been uh, just opening doors for us. I absolutely agree. In good ways, in really good ways. Like, cause we're becoming more sensitive and like just open to this kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like we've already been pretty intuitive with trusting our gut and our sixth sense, but... This definitely has kind of opened that door and allowed me to trust my gut more often, Mm -hmm. which I can appreciate. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening this week. We appreciate it. Uh, This week you have heard Dreams Saved My Family More Than Once by Melissa, an untitled story by Receding Caroline, Something in My Grandparents' House by Tori, The House on the Hill by Caroline, and finally Manassas Battlefield by Amy. All the stories you heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of the respective authors. Make sure you send your stories to stories at oddtrails.com if you want to hear them on the show. And don't forget, if you want to get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes at a higher bitrate for the best listening experience, head over to patreon.com forward slash oddtrails and sign up today. And don't forget to check out my other podcasts at crypticcountypodcasts.com like Let's Not Meet and the Old Time Radiocast. See you next week. Stay safe. Peace out.